In this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional, listen in as Suzanne and myself discuss June's book of the month, which was Elizabeth and Philip by Tessa Dunlop. We'll also get into some other situations we've experienced recently. Never a dull moment. So let's get this episode started. Why, hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. I am Michelle, and today we are going to be discussing our June book of the month. And of course, I can't do that without my very good friend, Suzanne. Hey, Suzanne, how are you? Good morning, Michelle. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. A little stressed out because we have this trip coming up. And when the listeners hear this episode, we will actually be in... Jolly Good London. How do they say it? Good yeah, old I think London. Jolly, yeah, Jolly Good London. Yes, that's where we will be. And I'm so excited about the adventures we have planned. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so am I. So you're already packed. You're already ready to go for the most part. I mean, you're not even in Phoenix anymore. You're in Seattle right now? I am. My plan all along was to spend the weekend before our travels in Seattle so I could get my grandbaby fix. And lo and behold, I got here and not only are my grandbabies, but their parents are down with COVID. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I'm in an Airbnb, literally five houses away from them. And I cannot see them because they are all sick with COVID. And I can't risk it because we're getting on a ship. So, yeah. So here I sit in this lovely Airbnb. With no <laughs> grandbabies to snuggle on. Like that no. really sucks. Oh, and I, it does. And I've been in that position. It's like every time, and I've shared this before, I go to visit Colton in Denver. He's sick or I'm sick or somebody else gets sick. And it's a miserable feeling knowing you're so close, but yet so far away. I know. And I mean, I feel like been running errands for them, you know, doing some grocery shopping for them and getting things taken care of that they can't really do. Because the thing with COVID is, even though we're over the COVID crisis, it still knocks you off your feet. And to have all four of them sick at the same time is challenging. So at least I've been able to do a few things for them. And you're feeling sorry for yourself because you're so close, but so far away. And they're the ones having to look after two kids when they're sick. That's got to be miserable. I know it's miserable. I've been in those shoes too. I know. And if we weren't going on a cruise, I'd be here anyway. And I'd have those kids with me because I don't really care too much about getting COVID anymore, except that I don't want to be sick on our trip. But otherwise, I'd be taking care of them so they... So mom and dad could get better and then they could have their kids back. But yeah, just didn't pan out that way. You are a very good grandma indeed. Well, I find it rather fascinating that you have spent the past couple of months so crazy with visitors, with obligations and commitments. And now Mm -hmm. you find yourself in Seattle with all of that taken out of the equation. Does it feel very weird to slow down like that? Oh, Absolutely. And it was interesting. I was out doing some shopping yesterday because I could. And I was wandering through Nordstrom. And seriously, 
I had in the pit of my stomach that feeling like, I've got to get back. You know, I'm running out of time. And this used to happen to me when my kids were little and I'd have like an hour before school got out. You know, I've got to hurry, got to get back. You know, and then I think to myself, wait, I have nothing to get back to. I'm good. I can stay here as long as I want. I don't have to rush. So it's a very foreign feeling to me. That is very foreign. We don't get to step into that very much these days. I do want to ask you about one other thing. A couple of days ago, you sent myself and Christy a message about mm-hmm. never going shopping after you've already packed for a vacation. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Oh, for the love of God. Yeah. I mean, what was I thinking? I was still in Phoenix. And again, I think it was one of those rare, I have nothing to do today days. And there were a couple things that I wanted to pick up for the trip. Now, we're talking minor things like uh, probably toothpaste. <laughs> but somehow I found myself, again, wandering, shopping, enjoying my day and buying a whole nother outfit at Eileen Fisher, a whole nother outfit. I'm trying to think of where I was that I bought just a darling outfit and All of a sudden, I have like three shopping bags of things to take on my trip. And my suitcase is already packed and closed. And, you know, I always make that vow. The big checked suitcase, once it's packed, I don't open it again until I arrive at my destination. And I'm like, crap, now what am I going to do? So I had to go back into that suitcase and edit and add some of my new things. I forced myself to take a couple of rejects out, like, "Mm, nope. They didn't make the cut. So you're so funny. Rejects out. (laughs) Like they were good enough a couple days earlier. (laughs) Now they're rejects. (laughs) Right. And it was painful. It was painful because they did make the cut before I went shopping. That was my whole point. I had this suitcase. I was satisfied. I was like, I was pretty proud of myself because I had kept it not to a minimum, but much better than I did last time. And yeah, and then I had to go back and these poor outfits got cut from the bag because of the new stuff I bought. That was my whole point when I was texting. It's like, why would I do this to myself or to my great clothes? It's like I just rejected crap of what I packed. So there you have it. You are hilarious. But I do have one more question about that. So you're shopping for those last minute items such as toothpaste. Do you buy toothpaste at Eileen Fisher? Like, how did you end up (laughs) at the mall? I'm trying to remember what took me to the mall. There was something specific I wanted to find at the mall. And I can't for the life of me even remember what took me there. Or was it just my vehicle on auto drive saying, no, you want to go shopping? And I don't know. I can't remember what took me there. You were in a trance. I was. I was like, oh, I think I'll just stop here because I haven't been here in a while. Oh, my gosh. That is hilarious. Well, you bring up a lot of good points because I usually pack directly into my suitcase, but I did capsule pack. I did really try to stick with what I've been saying here. And Mm -hmm. as I look at it, I'm like, I should just add one more thing. And I don't want to do that. So I am fighting that struggle right now. And I Mm -hmm. today am going to put those clothes in the suitcase and shut it and not think about it again. So I'm at that point. Well, that's good. And you sent a photo of your pile. And I thought it was pretty 
50 pared down. And it's like, wow, you're going to go on a trip to Europe with just that. Now you're making me worry. (laughs) I'm going to have to go reevaluate. Well, I mean, that's why I didn't reply to the photo you sent because it's like, I couldn't help but think, wow, you don't have enough. And here's the other thing that I have been doing is I have been checking the weather forecast in our first couple locations thinking, okay, I'm packing for warm weather trip, but what if we have cloudy, rainy days? Am I going to be warm enough? Do I need to pick up a couple extra things? And and that was one of the other things that I bought the other day that I was just so pleased with. It was this little windbreaker water-resistant jacket. I had put one in my bag that I wasn't real excited about. That came out. The old one came out, and in went the very, very cute new one. Yeah, I think you're set and you're ready to go. And the weather is warm, right? I don't need to be packing extra sweatshirts and stuff. Well, London, you know, a week ago when I checked London's 10-day forecast, it was going to be sunny and 80 degrees. Now it's still saying 75 degrees, but cloudy all week. So Mm, I don't mind clouds. Yeah. yeah. But then I was thinking we're going to be in Ireland and isn't that notoriously wet and chilly? And I'm I'm not packed for wet and chilly. Yeah. And, you know, I will say real quick before we wrap this little part of our show up, when you pack and you're going to warm weather locations, Mm -hmm. you can pack a lot less, a lot lighter. So all that stuff that you saw in my picture, had it been winter clothes, it would have been bulkier. There is actually a lot in there. Well, I'm just saying. Okay, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to hear the follow up, the debrief when we get back from our trip, how we did. And it might be that I have to buy a lot of things in the Regent gift shop, like Regent wear. (laughs) It might be. Yeah, that's, you know, Regent, we both agree that that's a little bit their weak areas. Their gift shop isn't that great on the ship. It hasn't been previously, but maybe we'll be surprised. But why don't we move on from this? I have a little story to share and then we'll jump into the book club. Okay. So here we go. Okay, Suzanne, I cannot let this episode go by without sharing a story about my most recent trip to Vegas. So I hope you're down for it. So I'm just going to go back a little bit because as I've shared here, Rob and I have been having discussions about Botox. He is anti-Botox, anti-change like that. Mm -hmm. And while I'm not embracing it fully, I am open to the possibility of, I'm not going to shut it down completely because if there's something that can make me feel better... I'm going to do it. So ongoing debate. So we're in Vegas. We go there to pick up Jimmy and Eva, who are flying in to visit us. They're up in the room getting ready. They're about to come down. We're going to walk to dinner. So I run to the bathroom. And when I come back to the place we were at, a group of ladies had sat down and one of them was in my seat and she was apologetic. She's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, it's fine. We're leaving. Well, Rob's like, I have to finish my drink. So he picks up his drink and it has this little straw and he kind of starts sipping on it. And Mm -hmm. I swear to you, one of the ladies said, oh my gosh, you're really cute. Now, several problems with that. The first one is, it's going to go to Rob's head if he heard it, which he did, and Jimmy did. And I'm like thinking, okay, he's cute. Cool. My biggest problem with it was, did she not see me 
standing right there. <laughs> like, how appropriate is it to say something like that when their significant other, obviously the person they're with, is there? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm frustrated by that. So we're walking away, and I looked okay, at Ross. wait. I have to interrupt you. I hate to interrupt your story, but let's talk about that. Because when you said that, I thought she she was saying he's puppy dog cute. Not like, oh my God, this guy is gorgeous, cute. He's puppy dog cute. Well, Could you have misinterpreted that comment? It was in her voice inflection, how she said it. Where it could have okay. been like, oh, you're really It could have been like that, but... <laughs> Okay, sorry. I, I just my thought that popped into my head because Rob is puppy dog cute. Yeah, he is. And don't say that to him because again, that will go to his head also. But what I'm trying to share and sorry. really, no, really could have been that. And I acknowledge it could have been that, but it was the way she said it. So, okay. Anyhow, so we're walking away and I look at Rob and I'm like, you know, she said that I'm standing right there. He goes, that's because she thought you were my mom. <gasps> oh, he just shot oh. himself in the foot when it comes to the yes. Botox argument, yeah. because he's five years older than me. And let's say any mom is at least 20 years older than their child. Not at, I mean, mo- you yeah. know, there's younger, there's older, but let's just say 20 years. So you're aging right. me 25 years older than you. I definitely need Botox. So I won the argument in that moment. Thank you. Drop the oh. mic. Don't you? Yep. I do. Uh, okay. I guess. Cause you know how I feel about Botox. I'm kind of with Rob on that one, but yeah, he, he blew it with that comment. He blew a lot of things with that comment, frankly. Yeah. But. Yeah. I should be getting new jewelry. <laughs> I should yeah, be getting. Absolutely. And I'm not saying anything about moms. They're beautiful. My mother-in-law is beautiful. I'm just saying like, if you look at the age of a mom compared to a son, you're adding those years plus the age difference. And I'm like, I'm not 25 years older than you, than a mom. I'm not. Well, and I'm sorry, Rob, but he has a <laughs> very bloated image of himself that he honestly thinks that you could look old enough to be his mother. He maybe doesn't have a very realistic image of how old he looks when he looks in the mirror. That that could be true. But I think he was just saying it to be funny, which I realize and recognize it was a joke. But it's like, no, I'm going to use this to my benefit. A hundred percent. Don't talk to me about my beauty routines anymore. So yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I just had to share that and get your opinion, which was a good one. Uh And we'll move on to book club. Okay. Okay, Suzanne, we are now in that moment where we are going to be talking about the book of the month. Yay. As our listeners know, for the month of June, we chose the book Elizabeth and Philip by Tessa Dunlop. And it was a biography, a royal biography that really concentrated on their early relationship, being young, Mm -hmm. being in love, getting married, what that looked like, and then like the next couple of years. So that's how I'll introduce it. Suzanne, where would you like to go with this? I'm going to tell you the favorite part about the book. Okay. I am a biography, not fanatic. I used to be a biography fanatic, but I kind of got away from that a few years ago probably when I started my business, the best thing she does, I'm not sure if it's just the format of the book, because I read it on my iPad versus actually having the book in hand, because 
I knew I was traveling, didn't want to carry a heavy book around. But at the end of every chapter, she had notes. And I found those notes fascinating. I could have just gone through and read the notes and not read all of the other stuff and found that book fascinating because notes were so vitally important to each chapter. So the notes that if you had the hard copy of it that were at the bottom of each place, like when she notated something, those notes? Yes. And I, and like I said, the hard copy, I had originally started reading the book with the hard copy and then I switched over to my iPad. But for example, the end of the last chapter, I believe, note number one was the queen was wearing her ruby and diamond Onslow butterfly brooch, a wedding present from the Countess of Onslow with other gifts. It had been on display at St. James Palace in November of 1947. I mean, that's a note that I just found fascinating. And I loved that she put those notes at the end of each chapter. So there was some reference to why she included that in the chapter. Yes, she did an amazing job with that in the notations. I would agree. I probably didn't read them all. I know I didn't read them all. I'm just going to say right. that. they were. I just, I wrongly assumed that they were just something copyrighted or something, but right. I did read that note. So I, I do know what you're talking about. Right. Well, and, and I thought that too. And I normally don't read the notes at the end of every chapter because again, I think it's, you know, they're annotations to, you know, so she, for copyright laws, but these notes were just, I'm going to read another one. Until the 1980s, Britain was a net exporter of people. More people left the country than came into it. So many emigrated in the years after World War I that Churchill put out an appeal. I say to you, I say to those that wish to leave our country, stay here and fight it out. Do not desert the old land. I mean, that's such an important part of that chapter, and it's in the notes. But I love that it's in the notes because it makes it stand out and it explains part of the that excerpt of the chapter. So anyway, that's my favorite part of the book. And I will say I missed out on much of that. And I'm going to have to go back and reread those or not reread them, read mm -hmm. them for the first time, because again, I thought they were just referencing something copyrighted. So yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and look at those because they do add a depth to it that I missed because I didn't read them. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm just glancing over some more of the notes. And is it, there was one part in this chapter and, you know, had I taken the time to highlight, there's something that in that same chapter that the Duke, Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, should be rewarded with style and dignity of Prince of the United Kingdom, the Queen acquiesced. So she agreed. But it said in the notes that this originally was Winston Churchill's idea, and he proposed it to the Queen in 1955. And where, had they not put that in there, it would have made it sound like the Queen agreed to book itself leaves out an important piece of information that Winston Churchill actually wanted him to be prince back in 1955. Well, 
those notes did bring a lot into the book for you. And again, I'm feeling bad that I didn't read them all. And I will go back and look at them. But my favorite part about this book is how she brought in contemporaries to Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip mm-hmm. and what they were going through. Like other couples that got married the same year, other couples who were in the war, you know, mm-hmm. other young couples who had families and finding the house. I really like that they were get she was getting the vantage point of other people who were living that same life, but on a different trajectory and how they could all relate and kind of bonded over that common theme, mm-hmm. even though they didn't know each other. Right. And she that's how she starts the book. As a matter of fact, she talks about Randy. Is that was that his name, Randy, at the beginning of the book where he ends up dancing with the princess on Ronald. Ronald. Ronald, yes. The girls' night out when they on VE Day when they go out into the crowds to celebrate and they do it unannounced, of course. And Princess Elizabeth happens to do a twirl, a dance with Ronald. And I just thought, what a great way to start the book. Absolutely. And stuff like that was throughout the whole entire book. You know, someone got a glimpse of her here. Someone got this experience. Watching her made them feel like this. And I just thought that was a really great way to tell a story. I also really like that she focused on the early years of the romance of their story because we weren't alive back in World War, you know, when World War II ended. Mm-hmm. And she was a contemporary of my grandmother who was from England and going through the same thing at that time. And just the perspective that was brought out of the book about, you know, here we talk about COVID in 2020 and all that missed time, all that missed life, all that missed living. And that's kind of how she, fra- it's not how she phrased it, but kind of the feel that I took from it is when mm-hmm. the war was over, people were trying to make up for lost time and getting married quickly and wanting to move on and establish their lives. And I just thought that was really a perspective I hadn't given much thought to previously. Did you watch The Crown? The I Netflix have. Series? I've watched the first two or three seasons, so I am behind a little bit. Okay, because I've watched The Crown several times, and so her book really fills in some of the details that I remember from The Crown. So I didn't find the information about their early years like new yeah or shattering or new or shattering or new i also read the book elizabeth the queen by sally bedell smith who is one of my favorite authors and that book also gave an enormous amount of information about the early years of when how they met and their first years of marriage and that trip to africa when her father died and she knew she was going to become queen So anyway, so I knew a lot of that already, but yeah, she had an interesting perspective. She sure did. And I would agree with that. And that's one of my notes. One of the things I wanted to talk about, knowing the subject so well, having taken in the information through The Crown, which, Mm -hmm. you know, it's dramatization, if I'm saying it wrong. How do you say that? Yeah, whatever. Dramatization is correct. Okay, good. I got it correct for once. Uh Okay, so, you know, it's a version 
of uh-huh. the truth. It's embellished. It's made for entertainment. Right. But then you watch documentaries and you fill in those pieces and you read books and you fill it in. So you have mm-hmm. a very good understanding of what the situation is. And I felt like that too, even though I, right in history, it took me back to the broader picture of what, you know, young people were experiencing then. But the story of Elizabeth and Philip, I felt like it was filling in, like you said, blanks. But do you think it's harder to read a biography about someone you know so well? No, I actually think it's easier just because you know the characters already. So I think it's kind of like when you read a sequel to another book, when you already are invested in the characters, it's a lot easier read. Now, I'll be honest, I wasn't as intrigued with the contemporaries that she talked about and the references she made, the comparisons she made to the other people and that's in the book. That's where I kind of skimmed through because it's like, eh, I don't really care. I want to, I want to read about Elizabeth and Philip and not about how it compared to her contemporaries. And I understand that. I, my connection is more personal to that too, because my grandma was in London at the time. My dad was born in that time frame, And so mm-hmm. a lot of what she talked about, I could sit and think of my grandma in that same situation and having, you know, given all this time to war and everything that went on and how perspectives changed then coming out of that and wanting to move forward. So I think a lot of my connection with that is that piece of information. Which makes sense. We all come out at these books from different angles, but this was a, a very good book, I thought. I thought it was a very good book also. And I do just find... Prince Philip so incredibly fascinating because here you have a man who had a lot of adversity at a young age, a lot of things that were not necessarily going in his favor, even though he was royal blood. And he had to build himself. And he did that by being competitive, by, you know, being this person who was involved and took risks and just living a life. And then when he steps into the role of being support to Queen Elizabeth, being the prince, he had to take a back seat. And to think about how that must have felt also, that always fascinates me to take your personality and pull it back in order to be supportive to the queen and then to the country and find your way again. Mm -hmm. I think he had a really strong understanding of the monarchy, even though In this book and in other reference books, they don't claim that he had a strong understanding of the monarchy. He certainly did. And he certainly knew what he was getting himself into. And I would agree with that. It's just reinventing yourself and then having to take that supportive role rather than that lead. Mm -hmm. And I just always find that so fascinating that somehow they brought it all together. They worked through it and made it work for them. And they endured until death. I mean, that's what part of them. Something that's critically important is in their personal life, I think he took the lead. And I think that's maybe where their compromise was in their marriage. And I think that's been consistent in everything that I've read or watched about Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip is that she said I obey in her vows, which was a very 
important part of their wedding ceremony. And there was a lot of controversy about whether or not she should include the words obey. And she did because she wanted it very clear that in their personal life, she would respect and honor him and his wishes, which I think was vitally important in their marriage. I agree. And that's kind of what I was getting at. They made it work. Somehow, you know, she mm-hmm. and him, they brought it all together. They defined their rules in each scenario. And I also agree that at home in their personal life, they were husband and wife and he took the lead there. Mm-hmm. So was there another point you were wanting to make or was yes. that the one? Okay. Nope, that was not the one. The other point that I was probably about three quarters of the way through the book when I realized, and it was the part where they discuss divorce and not Philip and Elizabeth specifically, but the country in general was trying to, or the church was trying to institute divorce into lifestyles. And I found that fascinating just because there was a time that Philip probably wandered in his marriage. But there was something to be said about the history of their marriage that made it work, that she saw his flaws, he saw her flaws, and they learned how to accept each other's flaws and still have a strong marriage. And it wasn't always about being perfect or looking perfect, but there's a lot to marriage other than being in love. And I think in that part of the book, they really emphasize that, that it's not just about love. They had deep love for each other, but their marriage survived because they also had mutual respect and understanding of each other. When you were talking about that, it's giving me goosebumps because you were spot on on everything that you said. And I do really like the way the author brought that subject into the story. I mean, she didn't accuse him of anything. She just mm-hmm. kind of subtly mentioned like, yes, this was here. This was a part of it. And they worked through it. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a very respectful way to broach a very difficult subject. But again, I think you're absolutely right in that they did have that mutual respect and understanding and they were committed. Like they took the vows, they were committed to see it through. And Mm -hmm. this power couple, which again, they endured. (laughs) It's really remarkable. It's beautiful. Yep. So do you have anything else you'd like to talk about where this book is concerned? Not especially. How about you? No, I just really did enjoy it. It took me a little longer to read because life has been so busy. I wish it had an audio version. And Mm -hmm. I think that's just kind of the way I might go with some of these books because I hear them better when I'm doing something else, when I'm walking or just active in some way. I think I I hear things better and pay more attention. So I'm just throwing that out there. (laughs) Well, and that's great. You know, we've talked about it, but I don't do as well listening to the audio. I get distracted. I don't pay attention. My mind wanders. I get sleepy. So I am not an active listener. I do much better reading. And that being said, I I have books downloaded on my iPad, but I like my hard copy. (laughs) And, And there are a lot of disadvantages to reading on my iPad versus my hard copy. I am a book lover. and Yes, you are. You like the crack open of the book, the smell of the pages. Yep. And I like the page turning. And I like to 
although I've learned how to do it on my iPad, I like to go back and reference. Like, wait, you know, I like to flip back. And on my iPad, I'm always afraid that I'm never going to get back to where I was, never going to be able to find my spot. And yeah, I don't necessarily like reading on my iPad, but I do better reading on my iPad than I do listening. I understand that. And, you know, while we were talking about this, I could not find this book, Elizabeth and Philip, on audiobooks. But Mm -hmm. as we're talking about this, and I'm thinking back to the earlier part of our conversation where the notes played such an important part in your enjoyment of the story, I wonder Uh how they would have put those in there if they would have just read the whole story and then at the end put in all the notes or if they would have finished the chapter and put them in. I wonder how they would have done that. And maybe that's why they don't have an audio book. Well, maybe that could very well be why they didn't have an audio because those notes are vitally important to the book. Right. It added a depth to it. It did. For you. And so so that could be why there isn't an audio version. I don't know. That's just me speculating. Yeah, very fascinating. Something to think on. Well, now we're going to move to something to sip on. We'll be right back. Well, that was a very fun book. I did really enjoy reading it and having more of that puzzle of their life together filled in. And I hope you felt Mm -hmm. the same way, Suzanne. I did. I absolutely did. Good choice in books. Thank you. Do you want to give listeners an idea of what we're reading next month or shall we wait till the next episode? Oh, I And, you know, and I knew you were going to say that. And just want to hear you try and pronounce her name. (laughs) And that's the problem. I can't pronounce her name and I feel like I chainsaw it. But I do know the title of the book is Whereabouts and it's by, you want to go for it? Jean Jean Lapour. (laughs) Let's just say that. Yes, and it's an Italian name. And if you get the audiobook, you'll hear it pronounced. But I could not recreate what they said. It sounds beautiful, but like you, I would be stumbling over it. So, any idea or anything you want to share about that book? What's it about? Well, it's a book about, I don't know. Okay. It's It's a book about nothing. It's a book about a woman living her life in New York City. And But as I've said, my mom read the book and loved the book. She said it, and my mom is very well read. And she said it was different, it was interesting, and it was very well written. And she loved it. And that's why I picked it. Okay. Well, I am looking forward to reading it. I have already started it and I would agree. It's a little bit different. So we'll leave it there. And do you have something to sip on for us today? I do. My quote, or my something to sip on today, is just very simple. Reading is to the mind what exercise is to the body. And that was said by Joseph Addison. Joseph Addison. Very smart, Joseph. I like that a whole lot. So thank you for sharing that with me and the listeners. And until next week, cheers, everyone. 